Welcome to Cardiology, everybody. A special episode today as we head into our bye week. We actually have all of the cardiology talking heads together in one Zoom meeting. Um, so we've got Chris out there, we've got Sean, and Hello. we also have Gary out there too. So, wow. So we brought everybody in a very special week. First off, of course, it is a victory week. A massive victory week, and I would not be honest if I didn't first take my lumps. I didn't think it was going to happen. I thought we were in trouble going into this game, and this this team really, really showed up um, in a big way, in a way I think we all have been waiting for for weeks and weeks. Um, so we're going to talk about um, this particular game kind of debrief it a little bit and then we're going to go into kind of a little bit more of a retrospective of what we've seen so far through the season heading into the bye week what we'd like to see change um heading into the rest of the of the season and also looking um to some big changes that are coming towards the end of the season for both the team and for our cardiology podcast so we'll talk a little bit about that so um, first off, uh, we just really want to start getting in and dive into this 32 to 13 thumping of, mm. of the Bengals. Cause I I'm sorry, even the 32 to 13 doesn't feel exactly like it felt watching the game. This was this, for me, this is one of those few games that we watch with the Browns that I really did feel pretty comfortable throughout the whole game and didn't, did have my nerves shot through most of it. Um, so a really great game, lots of great performances, lots of great things to talk about. So, so that we can all kind of get in here and have kind of our round table. Um, we're first going to just talk about some of the key observations or takeaways that we all had from the game. And so uh, we drew lots a little bit so we can make sure who got, got to go first and um, Mr. Burdett got first choice. So Chris, why don't you talk to us about what one of your key observations was of the game? Uh, first of all, fantastic game overall by everybody. But for me, it was the defense. Miles Garrett, the defense, had Joe Burrow on his heels from the beginning. Uh, granted, Burrow didn't have Chase, his best receiver. He had good receivers. He never got comfortable. And that's a big part of the reason we got the score that we got. So hats off to the defense. Uh, it was the defense we were expecting to see all year. I think it finally did, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, nope. I was going to say just the funniest thing about about the defense um, and Miles Garrett getting back on the horse uh, when Green got that interception and he's heading for the end zone. Joe yes. Burrow was going to stop him and then he realized <laughs> Miles Garrett was blocking and he started to run the other way. <laughs> yes, that, that, was that was a very beautiful. popular uh, Twitter meme going around of him, of him to say, making that choice to start running right away. <laughs> Any thoughts on the defense, Gary, that you saw? Yeah, actually, I mean, I agree with Chris. Was it, the defense played a great game. I think the, um, the thing I liked that I saw on the defense was the aggressiveness. I mean, they were just all fired up. They, in the right way, uh, so they weren't getting dumb penalties. They were just channeling that towards making great plays. And it just, they were really more aggressive than I think I've seen them all season. And that was great. Oh yeah, absolutely. I thought the I thought the whole game plan on the defense was just completely different and and I think again it has a lot to do with where we were in the game. 
um, and how some of these units performed. Uh, you know, I think the defensive line getting pressures, we were, we were creative with the defensive line. Um, we had Alex Wright um, and Isaiah Thomas sometimes lining up as actual defensive tackles as opposed to defensive ends to try to mix up that pressure. Mm-hmm. And we also saw some of our defensive tackles who've been pretty silent um, throughout the year really step up and start to get some pressure. And so to your point, Gary, I think that created the ability for a lot more aggression. Um, we saw a lot more blitzing than we normally do, which was great. Um, and then I also, too, you know, I I would have to call out the, the linebacker play um, was one of the places that I saw where I, I was very pleasantly surprised at, at the step up. Um, you know, it was nice to see that Deion Jones was giving some kind of, uh, a nice balanced performance yeah. as well as being able to, you know, um, get in there for a sack. But um, I think the biggest thing was the play of Taki Taki with, um, mm-hmm. with JOK sitting out. He stepped yeah, up into the Mike linebacker position, made a lot of comments about how much he preferred playing that position um, and really showed out in that game. So I think that to me, that to, to Gary's point, to Chris's point, um, Sean's, I, you know, I think those players stepping up really allowed us to see the defense we've been expecting all year. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I liked uh, how Deion Jones has picked up this defense so quickly you know, he earned his stripes during that game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I and and that's what we needed, right? We needed um, – I don't know whether we needed so much a leader um, because I feel like the team leadership needs to come from the people who've been there for a while and they need yeah. to step up. Um, but we did need a stabilizing force in that linebacking room. We needed the skill sets that Anthony Walker was able to bring and we needed to see that come through, and I think that helped a lot. You know, I'd be remiss though if I also didn't call out our safeties. Um, their their game play was pretty spectacular, and and definitely in comparison to everything we saw, John Johnson um, carried the green dot um, as the primary play caller out on the field, which is actually something he did at the end of last year. So going back to him doing that was an interesting change in the mix. Um, And he showed a lot more life and a lot more aggression. Um, And I didn't see Grant Delpit making mistakes, which that's just a wonderful week in my book for sure. Anything else we kind of saw with the defense? Anything you guys want to touch base on? No, it's just I'm going to have to jump off the fire Joe Woods bandwagon now. (laughs) because you know called a good game you know what yeah when when we get into talking about what we need to see in the next couple weeks that's that's definitely something i want to talk about the the perception of some of these coaches and and what's been going on and um but yeah that is we saw a game plan that that actually looked something like a professional football team so that was pretty cool um hey sean so you know, leading from that, tell me what what kind of observations did you see? What what was your big takeaway? You know, this whole season, you have the first game Sunday afternoon, barely squeaked out a win, um, and then you have the Jets, which that threw everybody for a loop, and then Thursday prime time with the Steelers, 
everybody shows up, everybody plays. And then we have four Sundays in a row, nothing. And then we have Monday night football. It's, why are these guys showing up on and in prime time, but they can't show up at one o'clock in the afternoon? You know, I'm going to tell Coach Stefanski to change all the clocks in the locker room. And that way they'll all think it's prime time and they'll, you know, yeah. amp up their game. I, I, that, that's the weirdest thing to me. I don't quite understand that. Well, they have performed on the big stage and, you know, that's nice. I, I feel like in past seasons, we've had the opposite. We've laid some big old eggs mm -hmm. um, when the lights have been on. Um, I do think another common thread between those games is not just that they're primetime games, but those were two division games. And of the other games that we played that were heartbreaking, close losses, um, you know, the Baltimore game was one of the better of those that came through. So I do think that maybe part of the equation might be that they really do understand the importance of winning these AFC North matchups and how big they are to their future for the season. But yeah, I mean, did anybody else kind of catch uh, the their interest level peak with the the prime time games. Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of it is just the fact that it's a really weird season, and the prime time games throw you out of your rhythm normally. Only to Sean's point, in this case, it looks like they step up more for them. Um, it's an odd season because of what's going on with Watson, uh, the fact that Brissett's in, and he's going to play for better than half the season. And they know his replacement's coming, but he's not quite in yet. I, I just think that it's a, it's a lot of moving parts right now. And it's hard enough to get a team to gel with only three preseason games anyway. Um, then on top of that, um, we have had some close losses. You know, realistically, we could. The only game we've really blown was the one to Belichick. Um, we were in every other game. So it, it maybe it may be, I mean, I think Sean makes a great point. I, is it that their focus gets turned up for these? I don't know. Um, but boy, wouldn't it be nice if they had that same level of focus for every game, whether it's division or not, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. What do you think, Gary? Yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's the division games and it, it probably is a combination of that and the spotlight. Um, I thought Chris had an interesting uh, comment there that, it made me start to think about the fact that I think this is the second season where we, we really started to maybe, hopefully we'll find out after the, the bye week, if we do get much better in the second half where we started off with looking really bad. And then hopefully we're going to start to look, look much better, which makes me wonder if those preseason games, you know, we, we take that too easy and take those too lightly. You know, we don't, Stavansky does not believe in playing a lot of the starters, things like that something to think about whether whether that strategy is kind of backfiring and making us get off to a slow start or something within training camp or things along those lines if indeed this season plays out like last season where now all of a sudden we look a lot better this second half um that might be something to, to really analyze a little, lot more at the end of the season yeah i mean i i think you guys all make some excellent points about it i kind of hope that the the cause is that their backs were against the wall i hope they felt the pressure I hope they realized that um, it was time to put up or shut up um, and that really the season was on the line. Um, you, you lose that game, um, you know, all of a sudden you, you don't have any leverage in the AFC North at all, and it's just a free-for-all. And so out of all of the things that haven't been going well, 
our record versus the division has been a positive one. And so we need to kind of ride that out. So hopefully it was a little bit of everybody waking up and, and realizing their backs against, were against the wall, because that is a feeling that they should be having the rest of the season and, the, and going through. Yeah. All right. Well, Gary, you know, now we're to you. What, what kind of thing did you see? What, what really jumped out at you during the game? Yeah, I think we've alluded to it uh, through a lot of the other comments, but what jumped out to me was coaching. Um, I think I've said it before. I've criticized these guys a lot, and I've got to give them credit when they do right. And they had a great game, both uh, Woods and Stefanski, uh, both called good, you know, good games on both sides of the ball. I think a lot of that came from the fact we got off to a nice lead early which allows for some different style of play calling than I think we've had in other games where we've been behind or the games have been close. Uh, so that, that I think helped them, but Hey, credit where credit is due. They came into the game with a good game plan and that that's big. They were aggressive on the defensive side of the ball. They ran the ball on the offensive side of the ball. I know some folks called for more runs, but Hey, the plan works. So I, I don't think you can criticize Stefanski for how he, he called this game. It, it, it seemed to do what we needed to do. So um, I was pretty impressed. Now, what do, what do you guys think? How, how, how are we feeling about the coaching coming out of that game? Well, you know, when, when the team does well, the coach gets too much credit or not too much credit when they, when they fail, they get too, uh, too much blame. So I, I do think that they did a good job coaching this for sure. Gary's exactly right. Um, you know, the question is always, is, was it the game plan or was it the execution, right? In this case, they both went very well. Um, and I also have been on the Fire Joe Woods bandwagon as well. Um, we will see, but boy, it looks like everything's clicking better for him. And obviously what they did worked. So you can't argue with the coaching. Um, they did a good job. I've never had a problem with Stefanski calling plays. Um, and, and we've been up, you know, we were up in that Jets game. And for some reason, Joe Woods took a coffee break or went and got a hot dog or something. And the defense fell apart. So he's the one that I, you know, I'm going to keep an eye on and I want, you know, uh, Andrew Barry and coach Stefanski to keep an eye on um, and, you know, go from there that he's always been my problem. I've never had a problem with Stefanski calling plays. Yeah. And you know what? I, I think Gary, you made a big point and, and it's the one that I keep going back to. We played with the lead um, and our game and, and everything that was called out, whether it was in the national telecast or else other places, um, our ability to do the things like ball control, to run the ball, to have the short passing game, to, to blitz, to um, play more man-to-man, all of those things are predicated under the ability that you're ahead in the game. And when you're behind and you're, and you're scrambling for points and you're scrambling to get the ball back and you need every possession possible, it changes everything. And so I, I would agree, you know, on one hand, I want to say that the coaching was better. Um, I do think on the defense that there was more than just playing ahead. I think that obviously, whether it's backs against the wall, we all realize we're on the edge of being fired, or whether it is an individual team member thing where people just decided to step up and take some leadership and take some control. Um, I don't know which one it is, but I think I saw it more on the defense. On the offense, 
um, you know, I'm kind of in the same boat with Sean. I have not had any problems with Stefanski's play calling. I think it's way too low hanging fruit to always blame how many rushes Nick Chubb got as to whether we win or lose. That's an overly simplistic way to look at football. It just doesn't happen that way. Um, you can, you can draw some conclusions, but they're not, they're not full conclusions. You know, you, you, you can say that, you know, when, when he runs more, we win. Okay. But we are also ahead the whole game. So when we're ahead, we win. That's a shocker. So, (laughs) so the reality is that's John Madden right there. Yeah. I mean, I'm a little bit to be determined. Um, I think the offense has continued to click. I'm, I'm happy with that. I'm happy that they put up a big game against a big opponent. Um, so that was good to see. The defense, I like what I saw, but can you do it again? Can you show me again? So, you know, and, and I'm sure a little bit later here in the, in the episode, we'll talk a little bit more about that concept. Mark, you, you had one point that I wanted to just kind of call out that actually was made on a, another topic, which was the green dot being with John Johnson. And I wonder how big of an effect that had on the defense. Cause if you remember, yeah, last year at the end of the year, he had that. He was calling the defensive plays. This year, he wasn't. Again, everybody was a little confused. At, at least that was the what we were hearing back was there was confusion back there. And now he's got it back, and they look like they were much more sure of what they were doing out there on the field. I wonder if that's a, that's a big component of what happened there. It could be. I think a lot of people were calling out John Johnson for some effort in the last couple of games. Yeah. So putting the dot on his helmet and basically saying you're in charge, you know, that could have been a motivation thing. Um, I, I wonder a little bit if it was the idea that Anthony Walker was the, the primary guy um, and the play caller when he was on the field. Now uh, I've seen a lot of um, conversation that Anthony Walker really is the leader of, of that locker room of that defense and so when he went down, I think maybe they went with a strategy of next next linebacker up calling the plays as opposed to next next best leader. And I think that that's that's my that's my theory that that we kind of bopped it around a little bit to see if someone else was going to take hold. And then and then eventually we were like, OK, now we're just going to give it back to John Johnson. So, you know, I, I do think that there there might be something, at least to some of the basic mm-hmm. communication. Well, I will say that my big takeaway um, is the mistake free offense. I really felt like um, with the exception of one brain cramp by Jacoby, where he could have just thrown a ball away and tried to make a crazy play that just couldn't possibly happen. Um, I really felt like the offense played their most complete game. Um, I really liked some of the creativity that was going on, Um, especially I just think it's super cool that we're bringing in all these offensive linemen and we are rotating them and putting them in motion, doing um, unique lineups and formations with them. Um, again, with the idea of getting this running game going and and making it extremely difficult for a defense to stop it. Um, you know, we saw that awesome block um, coming out of the the red zone uh, where we just leveled um, leveled them right there at the goal line. Uh, but yeah. you know, I think I think that that was happening in multiple places. And so some of that concern that we might have had um, with um, Injoku being out um, also too, 
you know, um, having Farrell Brown coming off of a concussion and what that would look like from the tight end perspective. I think I really like the fact that the offense was a little more creative and said, okay, well, we don't need to put these tight ends in positions where they're blocking, getting bumped around. We can actually use these big hogs that we got sitting on the bench and make something happen. So I liked seeing that. Um, and, and I also liked seeing a pretty effective pass game. Um, took a couple good shots, kept it stretched out, um, continued to keep the lanes open for the primary goal, which is running the ball. So, you know, kept, kept the ball moving down the field, some big first downs, some big clutch plays. Um, but overall, I just, I just was really happy with how the offense went. Yeah. Amari had some insane catches too. That was some of those were just unbelievable. And you think of, we got him for, you know, fourth round pick and to steal it twice the price. Well, fifth, fifth round pick, fifth round pick. Geez, we could have had Chase Claypool for second. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The receiver. Well, I will say, you know, everybody might say things like, you know, um, Andrew Barry's a genius. What I will say, if the genius might be getting in to the wide receiver market first, Um, whether or not he he tricked everybody into the trade, I don't know about that, but by being first to the table. Um, he didn't have to follow this this bizarre um, level of compensation that's been going on with receivers ever since. Anybody else? Any any thoughts on the offense or what you might have saw? Well, to your point, they were great. Um, and it was great to see. And part of it is they didn't have the same pressure they had had in all those post games where they were playing from behind and trying to do the desperation stuff. So they were in the best possible environment to not make mistakes. But that being said, they were mistake-free. Um, and boy, would we like to see that the rest of the season, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Great except, Mark. Except that one play with uh, Amari was supposed to, I don't know, reverse or end yep, around yep. or flea flicker, whatever it was, throw that one out. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think, unfortunately, and he took it on the chin too. I, I think that one was a little all on Amari because that, that play was open. Um, uh, Michael Woods was open wide open and would have walked in for that touchdown. And I don't, I, I don't know what happened in Mari's head, but that was the worst, not that receivers are supposed to be awesome quarterbacks, but that wasn't the, probably the worst attempt at that play I've ever seen in my life. So I doubt <laughs> that'll ever show it, itself it, again. If, if this is what we have to complain about today, it's a good day, right? Absolutely. Very true. Yeah, <laughs> I think we're going to talk about the offense. So, and give the offense a lot of credit. You got to mention the offensive line. Those guys uh, played with a lot of heart. You're going to man down. Uh, they still yeah. stepped up, and they played one heck of a game. And I give them a lot of credit for how effective that offense was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a great I point. I mean, we didn't have Wyatt Teller, right? right. Um, so, so some of that offensive line creativity was forced because of that injury. But I hope we don't go away from it when he comes back because yeah, it was seriously. Cool I mean, but um, but yeah, I mean, you're right. All all the rotations of the different guys who were covering, um, they played a hell of a game as well. And I love that people were giving Ethan Posick some love this week after the game, you know, different news outlets and, you know, other, uh, other podcasts on the Browns and everything. Every, no one respects the center, you know, yeah, but yeah. he's the anchor. So you got to give him some love. I've already seen some, some posts and some people calling for extending Ethan already, which is an interesting concept considering um, that we still have Nick Harris 
um, right. on IR who's who's waiting in the background. All right. Well, a um, little bit different format this week as we do this episode. So because of our roundtable and stuff, we want to make sure everybody gets a chance to talk. It's so great to have everybody together. So we're going to take this opportunity to take our first break. Um, and we are going to hear a little bit um, from our sponsor. And when we come back, we're going to talk about, we're going to finish out this game um, and talk about our individual game balls for our, our favorite players out of this Cincinnati win. Um, so we'll be back with you right after a word from our sponsor. Hey, everybody, it's Mark from the Cardiology Podcast, and I have an important question for you. Does your garage make you happy? If your life is anything like mine, the space in your garage just goes to waste because of overwhelming and embarrassing clutter. I mean, with all the tools, the toys, the bikes, the equipment, and whenever you open that garage door, that mess just hits you right in the gut. But it doesn't have to be that way. The team at CB's Custom Garage Interiors and More wants to help you take advantage of every inch of space your garage has to offer with their full turnkey design and installation services for garage cabinets, flooring, and other storage solutions. But don't be confused. The solutions they provide are not the cookie cutter racks and plastic bins you find at all the big box stores. From showroom quality garage flooring to durable powder-coated wood garage cabinets, CB's Custom Garage Interiors and More has everything you need to turn your garage into the organized space of your dreams and have every one of your neighbors green with envy. So if you're tired of the mess and ready to bring the garage of your dreams into your everyday reality, you owe it to yourself and your family to check out all of the fantastic solutions CBs has to offer. You can contact Chris Burdett and his team today by heading to their website at www.cbscustomgarageinteriors.com or you can give them a call at 330-542-8416. On the site, you can request a free garage makeover guide packed with all kinds of great ideas and solutions that'll spark your imagination and help you visualize all of the potential your garage has to offer. It's time to feel the joy of a garage that meets all of your functional needs and looks fantastic too. Please let Chris help you make your dreams a reality today. Call him at 330-542-8416 or check him out online at www.cbscustomgarageinteriors.com and let Chris help you love your garage again. Welcome back to Cardiology, everybody. All right, so to finish out our, our wonderful vibes of this very cool uh, Monday night win, um, let's go around the table. Let's talk about the game balls that we want to present to some of uh, the standout players. Um, I get to go first this time, and I'm going to kind of build off the end of our conversation that we just had before our commercial break, and I'm going to go to Amari Cooper, um, who turned in his best game as a Cleveland Brown, uh, five receptions for 131 yards and a touchdown. Um, I'm going to give him a pass on that crazy pass. <laughs> um, 
But I am going to just call out that not only did he have some very clutch catches and some big plays, um, he bailed he bailed the team out a couple different times, and he made uh, Jacoby look good with a couple passes, including that one really nice long pass that he had to really wheel around and stretch out to make, and he dove for, made it, and kept a big drive going. So um, my my hat is off to Mari Cooper. I feel like um, we just continue to reap the benefits of him on the team and his work ethic and, and just the different dimension he's bringing to that receiving core. Um, Gary, who did you see? What, what, who's your big standout? Yeah. Mine's Jacoby Brissett. I think uh, he played one hell of a game. He's uh, outplayed, you know, everybody's expectations. I think no matter what you thought of him coming in, he's been playing great. Uh, this game was just, I think the stats uh, even under tell how well, how good of a game he did play for us, but one of the best stats I think I saw to, to really illustrate how good he was, was he completed nine of 11 passes versus the blitz, uh, including one for a touchdown. And so he performed very well under pressure, which was big, um, got us a running touchdown as well. And so I just think Jacoby uh, stepped up, played a really good game. and was one of the, one of the big keys to winning. So I would give him the game ball. And, and he's funny too, when he, when the Browns were trying to get the, uh get Cincinnati to jump off size. I, I almost got you 55. I almost yeah. got you. <laughs> that was, that was great. Hey, he's having fun out there. I got, you can see that too. He's, he's playing serious. He's playing good. Uh, he's enjoying himself. Um, and he's really, I think he's a big part of the team. I think he's a, a the teammates like him as well. So I think he's a pretty good leader. Yeah. yeah. Oh. How about, how about coming around to you, Sean? I can predict what you're going to say. Go ahead. I, I give you two guesses, but you only need one. It's my man, Nick Chubb. Uh, another 100-yard game, 23 carries, over 20 carries, and they won. I'm just yeah. saying. And I'm just saying they were ahead. <laughs> um, no, I, I – yeah. No, seriously, no, I mean, great. yeah, you can't, you can't beat him. He's, he's leading the league. Uh, in rushing he's leading the league in every rushing category and at just I'm going to tell him one thing though I'm going to give him the game ball like I'm saying this like I would actually do it in real life and I'm going to tell him to take it apart and give a piece to all of the linemen too yeah. uh, <laughs> no I'm facetious about the carry thing just because I don't like it to be the only crutch that we use for every loss um, but but I will say that the big piece is when when you're ahead, the two yard runs and the one yard runs that inevitably happen are not as big a deal. Um, and you can afford to keep going back and waiting for that breakaway 20 yarder or the 40 yarder. Um, and, you know, that that is what I think Nick has always proven to be the type of running back who gets stronger through the game. I know a lot of people talk about why isn't he in on every series? Well, he's not in on every series because everybody needs to breathe. Right. Um, and when he and he has shown repeatedly that if you keep him fresh, he will be a determining force throughout the entire game. And so I I just think that well, he it's hard to ever say anything bad about Nick right. Chubb. He's played he's played his heart out for all the years he's been with us and he'll continue to. So that's, that's great. I, I completely support that one. Chris, I know you want to go in a little bit of a different direction. Who did you see for your big game ball? Oh, with me, there's no doubt. It's the one only miles Garrett. Um, 
he never let Burrow get comfortable in the pocket. And because of that, he shut him down. Um, I'm so excited he's back. You know, we were all scared as heck when he rolled his Porsche. It certainly appears as though he's back 100% or 98%. Not that he ever does anything 98%. But it was absolutely Miles Garrett. Not to mention the fact of his entrance in his Halloween costume puts him at 110%. That was amazing. How do you not love Miles Garrett? You know, and, and he was, for me, he gets the game ball all day long. And I think we can all agree that Miles Garrett at 98% is better than almost half of the NFL at 110%. Oh, who has an answer for him, right? Right. (laughs) I mean, well, and I think. Go ahead, Chris. They have to double and triple team him. Yeah, no problem. I mean, they have to double and triple team him if they do try to handle him, and then that allows others to get involved. It's still a win-win, right? Yeah, and I think we we talked about it a little bit earlier. The the performance of the defensive line and some of the creativity that was going on there really allowed him to continue to be in the game, even with the double teams. Um, you know, I, I do think we have to take a little bit into consideration that Cincinnati's offensive line troubles are now three to four years in the making um, and continue to be um, a big thorn in their side. Um, but at the same token... Um, if he's not 100%, he's definitely working through um, whatever his aches and pains are. Um, and, yep. and he just brings a whole different fire to that team, a whole different light under everybody. Um, I think every single, um, def- especially the defensive end group, but, but every defensive lineman plays a little bit differently when Miles is getting off the ball that way, so... I fully support that game ball as well. Another really good um, group. You know, I think, you know, we, we called out some four primary big um, performers, but, you know, as we alluded to in our first part um, of this episode, we, we talked about, there were a lot of people who showed up and showed out in, in many unique different ways. Um, You know, I would say some of the, the role players, um, we talked about the running game. Kareem Hunt had a game that he hasn't had in a while. Now, yeah. again, I, you know, I'll, I'll keep banging this drum. When you play ahead, you can have more carries and he made more of his carries. So he got the most carries he's had. Um, you know, you can be the, you can be the pessimist or the optimist. If you're the pessimist, you might say, well, he got more carries because they were showcasing him in case they lost um, to try to get a trade moving. Um, but I think, you can play also the optimist is he was on the team for that game. They were ahead. He had an opportunity to actually play the role that they always envisioned for him to play and for him to actually be that spark plug. And so I thought he, um, his performance was one that can really be built upon throughout the rest of the year. I know we talked about different game ball people, but any, any other role players that you guys kind of saw that just kind of jumped off the page for you? The linebackers, we talked about them earlier. So yeah. the linebackers talk, talk, talk. had a, a really exceptional game as well. So yeah, agreed. I didn't think Taki Taki had it in him. Um, yeah. I'll be, no, I'll be seriously, we've all we've all had our doubts about him, and I'm I'm happy to be proven wrong in at least in one game. Yeah, and it's an interesting concept to you know hear him talk about being the Mike linebacker, and he's playing that because JOK is out, and I don't know that 
I don't know that any of us see JOK in any kind of threat to lose where he might be playing or anything, but it's an interesting concept to wonder, can, can they coincide or coexist with maybe switching roles and seeing what happens? I mean, Taki, there's no denying that Taki Taki had a fire lit under him for that game, and it was, it was awesome to see. What about what about you, Chris? You see any a, any lesser known player that you kind of were like, "Hey, that's pretty cool." Not, nobody in particular, but I'll tell you what I think. Everybody stepped up big for the game, and it, and the nice thing to see is, you know, we're now two and one in the division, and if they're going to step up, that's the time to do it. And realistically, we could be three and zero in the division, um, and as long as they keep that mindset, that goes back to Gary's point about coaching from earlier. You know, that means their heads are where they're supposed to be. Uh, and, um, you know, you know the deal. If, if you beat your division, you get in the playoffs, right? Sure. Um, sure. Which, is, which, is all, which is all I care about. You know, play well, get in the playoffs, and let's rock and roll. Anybody for you, Sean? Um, you know, we've talked about the, the offensive linemen and all those guys stepping up, getting into roles that they weren't necessarily, you know, they weren't necessarily drafted or placed on the team for they never thought they were going to be, you know, on the outside of the line or blocking in a certain passion or, or uh, fashion, or even, um, you know, lining up as a receiver. Um, so I, I just, the whole team, everybody stepped up, everybody did their job. They did it to the best of their ability uh, the rookies are moving forward. At, you know, Thomas got his first uh, got his first sack of his career, professional career. So I mm-hmm. think that's that was a great game for him. Um, yeah, it's just I, I I I would love to give a game ball to everybody just for how good I feel after that game. <laughs> yeah. If if, uh, if you're going to talk about the line and all that stuff, which we we've talked about a couple of times. Um, the, uh, what's the, the second year lineman, James Hudson yeah. pulled in for a Conklin in the middle of the game, did it one heck of a job. And so I don't know that, you know, it's game ball status, but it's certainly noteworthy and something to, to, to compliment him on. Cause he really did a, a heck of a job jumping in. No, I think, I think he was, he was phenomenal. Um, I really, I've been very impressed by the depth on the offensive line ever since training camp. Um, you know, uh, there's a lot of homegrown guys in that room who've been working through with us. And, you know, we've we've lived through their bumps and bruises at different times. James Hudson played a lot last year um, when he was a rookie and not expected to play very much. And he kind of had trial by fire. Um, so um, good to see him. Um, you know, I I just think they 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 have they've they've played above and beyond. Um, I will, I will throw one last person in here because I can't believe we haven't talked about him yet, but I'm going to talk about Martin Emerson, um, who is really the rookie that I, everybody scratched their head. Gary and I looked at our, each other crazy out at the draft when, when he got drafted. Um, but he is showing to be a player. Um, I don't know exactly where the role is. I don't know um, what that's going to look like when everybody's healthy. But, you know, we talked about the idea that, um, 
you know, they didn't have their top receiver. Well, their second and their third receivers are nothing to, nothing to slouch about. So um, he showed up big. He had a couple of huge stops. He made some rookie mistakes. Um, I think that's just what the way it's going to be always when you're playing out on the Island like that. Um, But he's big, he's physical and, and he definitely plays with, with a lot of passion out there. I think he's a great compliment, um, especially to Newsom um, who's, you know, young in his own right, but I've, I like the two of them together. Um, I really, it'll be interesting to see how we feel when Ward is healthy and how mm-hmm. that goes. Um, you know, and of course it was nice to see AJ green, especially when he catches an interception. Right. All right. Well, some, some really good game balls. And I think we could probably, we could probably wax poetic about the play of all of the different players and all of this positive energy coming off of the Cincinnati game. Um, but there's more to the season and there's more coming ahead. So um, for our episode today, because we knew we were going to have everybody and things were going to run a little bit longer, um, we are actually um, going to use this as part one of our episode this week. So we are going to take a break. Um, please feel free to log back in, check out part two. Um, in part two, we're going to talk about what we really see the Browns going after and, and how the rest of the season is going to look. Some of the big topics that are going to come up, some of the things that we're really looking to have happen um, out on the field and kind of some of our predictions of what we see in the next three games and then also, too, in the, in the final balance of the season. So um, we will catch you with part two. Please feel free to check it out. Apple, Amazon, Spotify. Catch us on the other side.